So thank you for, um, this is the first, I guess this is the first official day of pain week is today, right? And, uh, and it's dinner time and you guys are all here, so I seriously appreciate that. I wasn't sure if I would have anyone come here today, so I asked a few buddies to come just in case. And <laughs> so, so we're good. Um, I have been talking about counterfeiting for, uh, for many years now, actually. Um, I first was exposed to this problem in the late 90s when I uh, did some work at the World Health Organization in Geneva. And I worked in the Department of Substance Abuse there because I've been a big sort of anti-substance abuse guy um, since, since a young age, actually. I was one of the few that, you know, actually listened to my parents and didn't do any naughty stuff, blah, blah, blah. And, and, and so, you know, I really you know, felt for a long time that, that substance abuse destroys lives. So I wanted to spend time with the World Health Organization, where, who, who I thought was sort of that pinnacle of, of, of worldwide health, and really be part of that uh, change, part of that solution. But while I was there, I was exposed to the, the, the problem of counterfeiting, which you know, is, is kind of more well-known nationally, or internationally, excuse me, but not really nationally. In America, we, we kind of you know, have been turned turn sort of a blind eye toward this problem. And it really confused me as to why, because you have a lot of people dying every year because of counterfeit medications, and, um, and this problem needs to be uh, discussed and exposed. But beyond that, uh, I, I sort of took it one step farther, and I sort of started saying, you know what, um, what about counterfeit medicine as a, as, as a whole, the actual healthcare delivery? You know, are we doing an honest job with that? And that's really what this topic today is, uh, is meant to discuss. I have nothing to disclose. I always joke around, nobody paid me for this. Uh, lecture, unfortunately, so if there's a tip jar in the back, you're more than welcome to leave tips if you learn something from today. So what are we going to do today? We're going to review the origins of counterfeit medications. Number two, we're going to describe various anti-counterfeiting techniques. Okay, There are ways we can right now fight this problem. It's just not happening for, for you know, some unknown reasons. And finally, we're going to talk about what our professional responsibility is in reducing counterfeiting. We have to play a role or nothing's going to happen, okay? The people here today, you know, there's uh, a few thousand people at Pain Week. If all, if everyone stood up today and said, hey, we demand a change, I can almost guarantee you that change will happen probably in the next couple years. But unfortunately, that's not happening yet. And uh, we continue to see more and more deaths. You know, every year, we're probably seeing thousands of deaths because of substandard medications or counterfeit medications. And we can stop that. We just need to speak up. So the World Health Organization, uh, one of, I think, really the foremost organizations in the world uh, to describe worldwide epidemics. You know, sometimes you get a little sort of short-sighted and we're like, oh, what's going on in our city or our state? Well, let's look at what's going on in the world because, you know, when you look at those scales, suddenly zero start adding up to the end of the numbers and it becomes a big problem. They describe a counterfeit as one that is deliberately or fraudulently mislabeled with respect to the identity and the source. Counterfeiting in medicines can apply to both brand name and generic medications. Okay, so we see both brand name and generic medications. A lot of times people think counterfeits are only, you know, high priced brand names and that's not true. It can be counterfeit medi uh, generic medications as well. And generally a counterfeit medication or a counterfeit product can include things with the correct ingredients but just not enough of them or the wrong ingredients or sometimes without any active ingredients or sometimes with fillers that are dangerous or fillers that affect the bioavailability of the medication. All of these things affect how it, how it works or doesn't work or what kind of side effects the patient can have. So anyone recognize these two people? Who are those two people? 
What's that? Speak up. Come on. Come on. Come on, come on, come on. Who's the guy on the left? Dr. Evil. Evil. Woohoo! From what movie? Austin Powers, right? What's he doing when he's doing this? He's asking for one billion dollars, right? Anyone remember that? Or am I speaking to an audience that's way too young to remember that? <laughs> it's all you millennials. You millennials don't even know about this movie. Uh, probably one of the best movies ever, but uh, I digress. Um, who's the guy on the right? That's right. That's right. Did you ever hear that? He's the cancer guy. The cancer doctor. You know, the guy on the left is actually not Dr. Evil. The guy on the left is actually a very, very nice, friendly Canadian guy who speaks like this, eh? And, um, and his name is Mike Myers. The guy on the right is pure Dr. Evil. He is absolutely a piece of junk. And that is the nicest four-letter word I can give him. So this guy, if you're not familiar, was, um, was just uh, indicted and convicted to 45 years in jail. He um, practiced uh, uh, in the Detroit area where I'm from, and actually, it's, it's a kind of interesting, his, his, one of his main practices was only a couple miles away from where I was uh, born and raised, which is really a very, very nice area of Metro Detroit, um, with a, uh, you know, a population that's filled with physicians and professionals and attorneys and engineers and CEOs, and, you know, people, all the executives from the auto, auto, auto manufacturing companies all live around there, very you know, educated people. And, uh, you know, you go to see physicians because of referrals, right? So you think that there's going to be some checks and balances in place. This guy, okay, gave three, uh, about 3,000 unnecessary chemotherapy sessions to people who didn't even have cancer. They didn't even have cancer, okay? I mean, just think about that for a second. So God knows how he even got those patients. There had to have been an absolute an absolutely you know, deadly network of physicians and PAs and nurse practitioners and MAs and office managers and all that stuff, right? But he got caught. The rest of them, who knows what's happened to them? Um, well, they haven't been caught, quite frankly. I mean, people don't, you know, you don't just do 3,000 treatments without someone being in on it, right? 3,000 treatments to, they said, more than 550 patients. They don't even know. He lost count. A lot of the, some of these patients died. Most of them were permanently disfigured or damaged. Um, and he got 45 years while his family fled to Lebanon with millions of dollars of money. That's Dr. Evil. That's counterfeit medicine. That is counterfeit medical delivery, right? How did they find it? How did they, how did they, how did they so so uh, you, people started, well, so finally patients uh, who started uh, uh, having side effects and whatever, you know, they went to their primary, went to another doctor to get evaluated, and then they're, you know, it, it actually took years. But through workup, they were like, wait a minute, you don't even have cancer. And then, you know, slowly, it just, people started saying, wait a minute, this is, this is kind of weird. And they looked into it. But it took years. It took years. I mean, think about it. 3,000 treatments, that doesn't happen overnight, right? He was able to get away with this for years. Um, I think, and I don't know if it says it in here, but um, I believe he had um, defrauded Medicare like $45 million or something like that. That doesn't happen overnight. You know, that takes years to be able to do that. So that's, that's true counterfeit medication, medicine. Further counterfeit medicine, okay, and this is, so, you know, I want to talk about medical delivery, and, and, and you'll see why. Um, University of Maryland was um, uh, sending letters to patients that, uh, that they had been a part of providing counterfeit medical care because one of their physicians was implanting counterfeit spinal fusion products. 
Okay, so these were not even, these were produced by an illegitimate company. They were BS, you know, screws and rods or whatever. Uh, the company knew it, the physicians knew it. They were getting kickbacks and all this stuff. You know, they, some of these physicians had to be, happened to be a part of big hospitals or universities. So unfortunately, universities now get dragged into this and their name gets muddied. And uh, people got hurt. People got hurt as a result of this. So you have this guy here um, who was part of the University of Maryland uh, who was um, uh, putting in counterfeit uh, smile products. And this wasn't just that hospital. This happened in other hospitals. And throughout California, they found 15 surgeons at 17 hospitals were implanting this counterfeit uh, product made by Spinal Solutions, LLC. Then you huh? Yeah, you think, right? See, this is the problem. This is the problem. We all think that that happens. We all... Well, it's, it's, it could be anything. It could be inferior material. It could be manufactured to specs that are not what were described. So what happens typically, if there is an approval process, they'll submit all the right stuff. But when it comes to manufacturing, they'll do something completely different. They'll cut corners. So we think that there is, but there isn't. I mean, just, just on, on that little note, there's a company called Ranbaxi. Have you even heard of Ranbaxi? Ranbaxi is a huge generic manufacturer. They were out of India. And um, for like 10, 15 years, they were producing antibiotics that had no active ingredient in there. <laughs> you know, and so the FDA sent them warnings and all this other baloney. And then finally, you know, after 10, 15 years, they say, hey, listen, we're not going to allow you to ship your products to America anymore. So you know what they did? Like within six months, they sold their assets to Sun Pharmaceuticals. And now Sun Pharmaceuticals is able to sell products in America. Who knows if their products are counterfeit or not? I don't know. Ask me in 15 years when the FDA goes and investigates them, right? So this is what happens. We think that people are doing the right thing, and they might be, or they might not. We don't know, and that's, that's the purpose of this lecture, is to hopefully get you guys scared enough to know that you really don't know what the heck you're prescribing or even what you're, you're, you're giving. Um, and, and the point of that is we need to be more vigilant, but we also need to ask for certain uh, criteria and demands from the manufacturers, and we'll get to that at the very end. So this neurosurgeon here, so this is kind of funny, not really, but kind of. Um, six months after this guy gets let out of jail, he implants counterfeit products again. <laughs> He's a neurosurgeon named Cully. I guess, you know, um, I've never met a neurosurgeon named Cully, but I'll probably stay away from one that, that, that does now. So this guy named Cully, six months after completing federal prison sentence, was once again back in court, this time as a defendant, using counterfeit spinal implantation stuff. So why do we talk about this? Why do I spend time on this? Is because it brings us to another point <clears throat> of kind of why we're here today, right? Pain week. What's pain week? Pain week is when we get a lot of different people from a lot of different disciplines who really have an interest in pain management, really have an interest in doing a good job for their patients, and, uh, or maybe even some, some people are coming just to learn more about pain management and just to learn more about um, uh, you know, maybe proper pain management, what's good, what's bad, what's the future. So pain management is one of those very unique fields where there's no real clear definition of what a pain doctor is. I think if we ask everyone here, we would probably end up with at least 10 different definitions, if not more, you know? And it kind of goes to this whole problem that we see within pain management of validation and authentication. So who provides these services? Well, going down this list really quickly, you have anesthesiology, emergency medicine, general surgery, interventional pain management, oncology, neurology, neurosurgery, orthopedics, physiatry, psychiatry, primary care, radiology, rheumatology, trauma surgery. 
those are the people who provide the service with you know, an either an MD or a DO. But beyond that, you have other people providing the service who have other types of, of degrees. You have things like chiropractors, CRNAs, nurse practitioners, physical assistants, physical therapists. You have uh, pharmacists and pharmacy technicians. You have uh, massage therapists, acupuncturists, holistic homeopathic doctors, DME providers, and then hospice and home health providers. We have a whole wide range of people, and I've probably left some people out, so it's kind of like the Oscars where I feel like I haven't uh, thanked everyone. Uh, so I for forgive me if I didn't include you. But you have a lot of people who are providing pain management services, and a lot of these people are essential to the process. Oh, thank you. The best gift of the day is coming up right here. So you have a lot of people providing these services, um, and there's overlap, and we need that, because there, has anyone ever heard of multidisciplinary or a multimodal approach to pain management? Yeah, great, great philosophy, absolutely essential. Unfortunately, it doesn't always happen. You know, you go to a specialist, and they're going to get shoehorned into whatever they do. This guy does whatever he does, and sometimes they don't always uh, jive. But here's the problem when you have all these people providing these services, is that it, uh, because the, the, the definitions of what you are, who you are, do we have pain management person? you see a lot of variability, and this is where people can get away with naughty behavior. So let's do a little ca uh, case study here. You have a 55-year-old male coming in for his monthly prescription. He's been on a fixed dose of gabapentin for a long time. He's been well-controlled. Last month, his pain was much higher, and he started having side effects. Okay, so what do you think is the reason? Do you think it was like a random coincidence? Do you think maybe he was allergic to gabapentin? Do you think he was given a, a different manufacturer of gabapentin? Or do you think he's a drug seeker? See a different, different manufacturer of gabapentin. Now, if I turn that around, which I'll do in a little bit, but let's say I turn that around and I said he was on a fixed dose of gabapentin, and then uh, let's say he was, he was now on a fixed dose of, of Vicodin. Would it have still been C, or do you think that maybe you, you, you might have said D? Really? Yeah? Yeah, that's because you're all here. I, I, you know, honestly, well, maybe, maybe you guys would. Uh, let's say you were, like, part of some, like, media company, like some. Let's say we're journalists, you probably would have said D, right? Because that's kind of popular now, right? Everyone's a drug addict. If, if they're a pain patient, they're a drug addict. Um, so a different manufacturer. So this is what a counterfeit med medicine factory looks like. Does anyone, everyone see that? Hey, who wants to lick the floor there? Huh? No? You think it's funny, right? Yeah, you probably already have. Because 10% of the U.S. supply chain is counterfeit. Did you hear that? I'm looking for more groans. Um, yeah, 10%. So, I mean, you know, one out of 10 pills is considered a substandard counterfeit medication. Okay? So if you've taken pills, more than 10, then one of them probably was. You know, is that something that you would tell your patient to go lick? No, right? I hope not, at least. Um, if you do, you know, talk, let's talk afterwards, because we need to have a talk about that. Uh, but that's an answer Yes. Yes, absolutely. 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 So, yeah, right. If you're doing an internet pharmacy, you may see higher percentages. They may be close to 50%. And if you're going to your standard, you know, supply chains, which have, which have a much more secure supply chain, but not an absolutely secure supply chain, you may be down to, you know, 1%. Let's, for, for, hey, for, for, for giggles, we'll just say 0.1%, right? Who knows? Who knows? They don't know either. No, absolutely not. Hey, do you have a watch on right now? Are you wearing a watch? A nice watch? Anyone have a nice watch here? 
Oh, okay, so it's an Apple, yeah. Anyone have like a nice like mechanical watch here? What kind of watch is it? Prove it. Prove it. Oh, okay, so it's got a stamp. <laughs> hey, that's proof, folks. Okay, lecture done. How, you, know, you know, if I may want to make a, a little knockoff watch and sell it on the street, I could get a stamp too, you know. And I could stamp it. And it'll still turn. Right? It's precisely. You've, ta you've taken another stopwatch to time if it's... Like, you've, time you've sat there for four years against the atomic clock to make sure that it wasn't off by a tenth of a second, right? <laughs> but you, know, you see my point, right? I mean, thank you for, by the way, raising your hand. You see my point? My point is, you, you, you actually don't know if it's authentic. You think it's authentic. You're like, well, I bought it from a store and I paid $2,000 for it. But, but you don't know. You don't know, and that's my point is the medication that Mass General anyone else is buying, they're getting it from a distributor. The distributors are getting it from somewhere else. Now, usually the supply chain is secure, but we'll talk about a guy who died just a few months back. Anyone heard of Prince? He passed away. Does anyone know how? Yeah, yeah, from counterfeit fentanyl. He, he went to Walgreens about four hours before he died. I doubt he went there to get a box of, you know, feminine hygiene products or something like that, okay? He went there to pick up a script. What's that? I don't know what they did. Yeah, no, that's the thing. Nobody knows right now. Nobody knows exactly what he picked up when he went there. Nobody knows exactly where he got his fake products from. Nobody knows, you know, we, we don't know yet. In fact, it was just two weeks ago that they said that they determined that it was a counterfeit you know, that, that, he, that he died from counterfeit. Before that, right, the media was quick to say, oh, he's a junkie, he's a drug addict. CNN had a town hall meeting with Dr. Drew, Sanjay Gupta, and um, Anderson Cooper, you know, calling, calling Prince a drug addict, saying we have this big problem and Prince is such a drug addict. I mean, they should really feel embarrassed about that, right? Because that's not the case. He wasn't a drug addict. He was taking either, it was in, it was, uh, I heard, you know, either Advil, right, or hydrocodone. That's what he thought that, he was taking. And, and the pill actually said Watson on there. Everyone know who Watson is? Huge manufacturer. They're owned by Teva. Teva's here. Is anyone from Teva? Anyone here? Oh, come on. Teva, you didn't even come to my lecture. I can't pick on you. So, um, so, so, you know, he thought he's getting a Watson tablet. I mean, that's the scariest part of this all, is that who knows where he got it from. But the point is, is if you or I had that Watson tablet, we wouldn't know either. And we could die too, like this. That's the scary part of this. And that pill would be made in the factory like this. Okay, so that's what's so scary about this. Probably more confident than the internet pharmacy, but not 100%. And that's the big problem. So, so you know, to me, if even one person dies because of that, that's too many. That's one too many, right? This is completely preventable. Completely preventable, you know? If, if we're legitimate people trying to get a legitimate script, this should be a, a completely preventable issue, you know? If we're, if we're trying to just get stuff off the street and we're trying to do things naughty, that's a separate discussion, you know? But, mm -hmm. yep. You gotta go to gray market sources, yeah. Mm-hmm. You know, so what do you do? You can't just not have it. And yeah. if you're a manufacturer of that order, it's natural. And yeah, you've got to start building these 
Did, you, did everyone hear that? That was a great point. Did everyone hear that? So she, she, at her hospital, when they have shortages, they have to go to their secondary supplier, which she called a gray market supplier. She doesn't know what, you know, what you're getting, and that's dangerous. So you had to buy epinephrine and metoprolol, and now it's 10 times the dose. What do you think is going to happen? And what they're going to say is they're going to blame it on the hospital. They're going to be like, horrible nurse, horrible doctor, right? You know, you guys killed me. And, and, and really, it was the, the, the drug supplier that could have potentially done it. I would, I, that would be great. It doesn't happen. <laughs> These are all great suggestions. It doesn't happen. That's my point. That's the whole reason of being up here. It, it doesn't happen. Um, Yeah, so like, you know, the, the pills that you get, right? I mean, is there a way of testing it at home? No, of course not. Right, if, if, it's a, if it's a counterfeit supplier or a substandard supplier, or like we said, I mean, we have, we have you know, Rain Baxi, for example, great example, right? They were doing $2 billion in sales, okay? And they were getting, you know, they're, they're purposely going out of their way to, to make a product that was substandard, you know, by every definition. So they're not going to be... They, you know, testing it. I mean, they're purposely putting this out, right? So again, look, a counterfeit is an unauthorized copy, okay, or it's not conforming to the original manufacturer design or model. I mean, these things are not just randomly happening. You know, people are sort of planning this out. Um, they're not produced by the stated manufacturer, or they're off specification, they're defective, they have incorrect markings, etc. Just to give you a, a little perspective on how big this problem is, going, you know, both within the, the medical world and outside the medical world, up to 7% of all goods traded on the global market are counterfeit. So this kind of goes to the young lady in the back who is talking about a Raymond Wild watch. Okay, so we have, we have up to 7% of the, of the supply chain, period, is, is counterfeit. More in some places, less in other places. Over a trillion dollars a year are lost to counterfeiting and diversion. Approximately three billion is estimated to be spent on just brand protection. You know, companies trying to protect their brand, protect their product, spending three billion. Quite frankly, I think that's a drop in the bucket. If you're losing a trillion dollars and you're spending three billion, something's off here. If you spent a hundred billion on it, you'd still get a tenfold return on your investment if you're able to stop all the counterfeiting. I mean, you can't get that kind of investment anywhere, right? Anti-counterfeiting in the packaging market is about $40 billion or more. Speaking of the packaging product in the shipping market, I want to talk to you about, real quickly, you brought up a point about, hey, we do have a secure supplier, and then we have our less secure suppliers. FedEx was just indicted a couple years ago for, what was it, I think it was $2 billion or something like that. No, $1.2 billion, I believe. They were fined $1.2 billion because FedEx was shipping counterfeit medications. Did anyone hear about that? A couple of people? So FedEx was shipping counterfeit medications. Now FedEx was like, guys, we're not voluntarily doing this. I mean, we don't know what we're shipping. Um, anyway, the case was finally dropped because the government believed FedEx. But the point was FedEx, which we thought was a secure supply chain, was shipping counterfeit products. Other statistics, auto parts, about $4 billion in counterfeit parts. One of the biggest counterfeit uh, parts in the automotive world are brakes. Those little things are supposed to stop you, you know, so you don't get in an accident and die. Okay? That's a huge source of counterfeiting. Huge source of counterfeiting. How do you know? You don't know. Like, like that's, I mean, talk about, like, that's even worse than the medical world, right? At least there's some more regulations, but, you know, uh, breaks, uh, not much. Uh, electrical parts, $15 billion. Personal care, makeup, things like that, $4 billion. Pharmaceutical, worldwide, about $400 billion. In America, they're saying about $100 billion. 
That's a huge market, 100 billion in America, right? Medical devices greater than 8% of medical devices are counterfeit. Aerospace, um, over 500,000 products are suspected to be counterfeit in our military. In fact, we've had some generals say that our, our tanks are literally ticking time bombs in and of themselves because we don't know which, se which uh, semiconductor is just going to blow up randomly. Seriously, you can look this up. Um, wines and spirits, 5% of the wines sold on the secondary market are counterfeit. So not only is the alcohol maybe bad for you, but the, whatever else is in there might be bad for you. So why do people do it? Well, look, there's a lot of money to be made. Um, lifestyle, medi lifestyle medicines are wanted. So these are things like over-the-counter things. So things that you might buy you know, at various vitamin stores or various um, um, health food stores. People want those. So we, you know, we already know. You know, some vitamins don't actually have the stated ingredients. Some of the fish oils don't have, you know, stated ingredients. Some of the products for weight loss have been counterfeited. That's been pretty well um, documented and described. Equipment is widely available. It's very easy to do this stuff. It's very, you know, very easy to make this stuff. Um, you know, we can even make watches or purses. It's very easy to do this stuff. Patients are self-prescribing. We see that more and more. Patients are ordering online. Weak legislation, weak enforcement. That's been a big problem. And then organized crime has moved in. So this is really what gets down to the heart of this. Uh, you know, why is it that FedEx was infiltrated? I mean, the FedEx supply chain then has been infiltrated. And the only way that can happen is if there's an org organized effort behind that. Why did FedEx get from I, I know. I, I agree with you. But, but, they, but, you know, that's not how they looked at it. They said, hey, listen, uh, you know, you should have known from every step along the way that this was legit or not legit, and you shouldn't have picked it up if it was not legit. And they were like, look, we just ship packages. They ended up dropping it, which was kind of uh, uh, an interesting thing. I mean, sort of then they, they sided with FedEx. But a little bit of that, that, that fear and that precedent has been set where you know, they're saying, hey, you should know. But they're like, how should we know? How can we know? The box is sealed. How can we know? And, and this is kind of the point of what we're talking about here is that if FedEx doesn't know, that they're shipping garbage, then how are you supposed to know? Because once FedEx ships it, maybe it gets to your pharmacy, maybe it gets to a patient. You know, the whole time everyone's thinking, hey, everything's kosher, but, but it's not. Um, so why are medicines being targeted? Well, again, it's easy to make. Uh, they can make it in bulk. They can make it relatively cheaply. Uh, a lot of times they can make it in other countries, bypassing some of the, 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 the you know, um, standards that we might have here. Um, but even in industrialized countries such as ours, we have um, the risk of prosecution and penalties are, are simply not there. They're simply inadequate. You know, if, if by chance, and this is what some pharma companies do, they say, hey, our goal is to stop counterfeiting because we'll just go after every counterfeit factory that's, that's, that exists. Well, that's great. So you're going to spend millions, billions of dollars going after these factories. Somehow you're going to shut them down. And after you go back to your pretty little ivory towers, they open up across the street. <laughs> it's useless, completely useless. But that's why you know, they, they keep getting away with it. And the way that medicines reach the consumer is also different from, from other goods. You know, the end user, like we've been saying so far, has little knowledge about where that pill came. You know, I got a pay I just literally, um, last week, I have a patient, they're like, um, you know, the pill used to be white and circle, and now it's a diamond uh, shape. I'm like, I don't know. Like, I, I don't know. I'm like, okay, if that's what they gave you, so you went to Walgreens. I'm like, I, I, you know, I don't know what it is. Walgreens got, nobody knows what it is. I mean, seriously, what, what's a diamond pill? Do you know what a diamond pill is? You, do you even know what drug that was? I don't even know. It was a circle last month, now it's a diamond. <laughs> but I don't prescribe Levictol. But that's my point, right? I mean, it's just changing colors, changing shapes. I mean, who knows where it's coming from, you know? 
There's too many, it, it's, it's too big of a problem. There's, you can't over, okay. Your husband worked at a legitimate company, legitimate place, I'm sure, right? So, 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 so you know, these people who are, who are making substandard medications or counterfeiting, they're not going to be saying, hey, let's, let's keep this out in the open. But they also, here's the other problem. And actually, look at this. So talking about Teva again, let's look at a Forbes article that came out a few years ago. So the Forbes, Forbes did an article where they, where they looked at substandard counterfeiting. This was, I think, 2012. And they took um, Teva tablets, and they found that there was only 40 or 45% bioavailability instead of the 100% that they had claimed. So that's a substandard tablet. According to the World Health Organization definition, that's the same thing as a counterfeit tablet. So it was, it was actually made by a legitimate company, and, and they were intending on selling a legitimate, but it, but it wasn't even made to the certain standards. So, so you know... But, but my, my point is, my point is, besides that, is, is just to say that, that, you know, you have legitimate companies that might be making substandard. You have illegitimate companies that you, you, you won't even be able to track down. You know, you think that little factory with that dirty little factory, I mean, they're not going to be having neon signs saying we're open for business, you know. So, so that's the big problem is, is when those are made, you know, in places that we don't even know and, and they are uh, part of an organized criminal system and they make it into our supply chain, once it's in there, Right? It, it's, it's, you're never going to find it. You're never going to know which is legitimate and which not. Um, so types of medicines uh, that could be affected, you know, high volume, high price, brand name medications, lifestyle medications, blockbuster medications, parental medications, as you just mentioned. Um, all generics, all generics, there's a little bit of a different standard when it comes to a generic versus a brand name, as we all know. In fact, uh, in fact the FDA actually says that a generic from a bioavailability standpoint can have anywhere from 80 to 125% of the equivalent brand name. You guys aware of that or no? Some are, some are not. So, you know, one day you could be taking 80, 80, 80, the next day, you know, you're taking 125, it's a 50% swing. Um, uh, with, with the brand name medications, I believe, and we've got a lot of pharma guys here, you can correct me if I'm wrong, but I believe there's a 2% variance, if I'm not mistaken. So a little different, you know, standard. Um, Off-label uh, drugs and then drugs in short supply. So let's look at a couple case studies where we saw uh, drugs that had active, no active ingredients. And because of that, many, many people died. So in 1995, um, there was a fake meningitis vaccine that led to 3,000 deaths. Okay, just to put that in perspective, that's the same as 9-11. Okay? And this is happening all over the place every year, okay? just to put it in perspective. 1998, 60% of all malaria deaths were attributed to fake quinine sulf uh, sulf uh, sulfate uh, medication. 2000, Cambodia, 30 people died because taking fake malaria pills. Okay, now let's take toxic ingredients. Okay, toxic ingredients, 1990, 109 children died after taking fake preparations of diethylene glycol. 1992, Bangladesh, uh, we had more hundreds of hundreds of kids being killed. In Haiti, 30 kids, you know, in India, 30 kids. In China, 11 kids. This is what's documented, okay, there's a lot more that's not documented. To put that in perspective, remember Sandy Hook, I think there were 24 kids. Horrible tragedy, probably one of the worst children tragedy in American history, right? We change the way schools do business because of that. Okay, my kids are in uh, elementary school. Everything changed from a security standpoint because that one instance, ha, ha, this is like multiple fold more, nothing has changed. I think that's embarrassing. I think it's embarrassing when we allow our kids to die like this. Counterfeit medications is you know, uh, a special case. This is a little different than some other cases uh, when it comes to medication, because we need to have greater awareness, because this is where you know we're all fighting for better health, 
we need to be able to be aware of these problems so we can make a change uh, and, and, and really, you know, make sure that we uh, voice those changes to, to companies that are responsible so they can, you know, uh, have products that prove that they're responsible, kind of like abuse deterrent technology, right? Abuse deterrent technology usually, you know, being put out by companies that actually care about, you know, abuse deterrence. So pharmaceutical counterfeiting, there's no such thing as a good counterfeit, okay? So, you know, there's no such thing as a good substandard medication. Either you're the real deal or you're not. Um, <clears throat> this guy in 2007 uh, was um, executed, okay? He is the, uh, the equivalent of the head of the FDA for China. And he was found to um, be a little corrupt and allow... Um, counterfeit medications to be produced and sold. A lot of people died as a result, and, uh, and so they killed him. You know, they killed him. Now, I mean, that's, talk about taking action, right? So diversion, uh, we'll just quickly talk on diversion. Diversion and counterfeiting usually go hand in hand. Usually when there's a counterfeit medication, there's some type of diversion that occurs, so that way the counterfeit medication can hit the market. Uh, Department of Justice has commented on this um, as well. Uh, diversion also occurs uh, when, um, I don't know, by the way, I don't know how this slide got way, pushed way over here. <laughs> it was supposed to be centered. Um, diversion also occurs uh, and, and allows physicians to set up pharmacies. So, you know, if you've, if you've heard of like physician dispensing, there are, you know, and, and some of it's very legitimate, but there are some that are selling counterfeit goods, whether they know it or not. You know, they'll get it from some random dude right? Some random guy will say, hey, you can get this generic drug for 10 bucks from me and sell it for 200. Where is that guy getting that $10 medication from? Physician has no clue. Because he has no clue this stuff's even happening. Because he hasn't come to this lecture. He's, he, he doesn't care. <laughs> so, so, you know, they, they, they're looking at that. They're making a lot of money. And so this guy right here, doctor paid $2 million, pleads guilty of dispensing foreign cancer drugs. Now, this guy actually knew. He knew what he was doing. This guy was a piece of junk as well. So here's a 74-year-old oncologist. Like, dude, you're 74. You've made enough money. Retire, okay? But no, he couldn't. He was so greedy, he had to make an extra $2 million selling people fake cancer drugs so they can potentially die while he makes $2 million. Patient actually brings in That's a great question. I'm actually dealing with that right now with two, two medications. Uh, one, uh, one uh, interestingly enough, was uh, uh, we, we need to get, so what you do is you send it to a lab, okay? Uh, great question. I'm looking into that. Seriously, I'm looking into that. We have a drug right now. It was an extended release tramadol um, uh, that was made by Mylan. They're in the news a lot now. Uh, and this patient has been stable on tramadol for like 10 years. So we're like, hey, listen, why don't we switch it over to an extended release? I've had this talk with her for a long time, and, and she was like, yeah, you know, blah, blah, blah. But anyway, she said, fine, let's, let's try it. So we, all we did is we, we, we took the same dose, changed to extended release. Simple stuff done in a million times. She was at church. She took the pill. She was at church. Um, um, she had uh, shortness of breath. She had difficulty breathing, you know, um, uh, when she started taking this medication. And she also noticed that after six hours, her pain went through the roof. So you know what happened? That extended release medication released like that. She got the whole day's worth right there. And it wore off, which is why I have six hours. She's like, my pain was like 100%. So we're going to send that out for testing because there was something fundamentally wrong with that pill. She's been stable on tramadol. So it's not tramadol. It was a release mechanism that was flawed. 
So how do you test out the release mechanism? I have no clue. We're trying to find that out right now. Now, part of the problem is, once I find that place, who's going to pay for it? I don't know. There's the tip jar back there, by the way. <laughs> Oh, because they, they were taking EpiPens and selling them for 600 bucks. Yeah, I mean, you know, epinephrine, which is what, like 10 cents a vial or something, right? And they were selling it for 600 bucks, you know? Um, uh, and, and the CEO was getting $20 million salary, and she's the daughter of Joe Manchin, who's a senator of West Virginia, and nobody sees anything wrong with any of that stuff. That's why. And, and she also said, oh, here's a nail in the coffin. She said, what's wrong with that? That's called doing business. So that was a problem. Yeah, yeah. And My Mylan's actually the number one manufacturer of the generic fentanyl patch, by the way. So, um, so she was just, and they've had a lot of recalls on that patch, if you, if you look. They've had a lot of recalls for leaking patches and, and, and whatever. Um, anyway, I, I want to make sure that you all get to dinner in time, so uh, we'll, we'll definitely answer questions then. So another doctor goes to jail about lying about foreign source Botox. So here's another guy, right, buying, you know, garbage Botox um, and, and selling it to the patient or, or, you know, injecting it and saying it's the real thing. Um, uh, so, so there are physicians who know about this and voluntarily do it, and there are physicians who don't, right? So sometimes, again, like I said, they'll have, you know, they'll have these physician dispensaries trying to provide a service to a patient, but have no clue that they're actually potentially providing maybe substandard or counterfeit medications. They don't know. Uh, nobody knows at that point because you don't know where that drug actually came from. And if you look at the manufacturers, there are some of those manufacturers are these off-brand manufacturers. You know, nobody's ever heard of them. So Internet, uh, you know, um, you had brought it before, uh, the Internet uh, and... Um, illegitimate drug sellers. You know, the problem with the internet is we truly don't know where this is coming from. There might be some legitimate ones, but we don't know. I mean, we don't know. You know, it's kind of like, would you, would you let your, your, your five-year-old uh, stay at, uh, get babysat by someone you found on the internet that you've never ever met and never even spoken to? I mean, it might be safe, but you don't know. So no, I wouldn't. I don't know if you guys would, but I wouldn't. So why would you give your patients a drug that you have literally no idea who made it or where it was made or what standards they had. I mean, it's just, it's Russian roulette. That's what you're playing when you do that. Uh, you might be saving a couple bucks. And I've got, a, I got, I got one patient who's, who buys, um, what does he buy? Like Lidoderm patches online or something. You know, and you can. I mean, I can't stop him from doing that. He, just, he, he doesn't even need a script. You just buy it. You know, I can't stop him. So far, nothing's happened to him. But, you know, it's like Russian roulette. Um, some other counterfeit drugs recently, Adderall, Avastin, Altuzan. So, I mean, these are, some of these are, are chemotherapy drugs, you know, uh, and, and, um, and they're being counterfeited. So people are dying from cancer because of that. Um, on that note, actually, another statistic, um, up to 50% of the uh, antibiotics, um, you know, throughout the, the rest of the world is, uh, could be substandard or counterfeit. So, so next time you have a patient who's on their second round or resistant, you know, are they really resistant? Are they really on their second round because, they're, because of them? Or is it because your product was substandard or counterfeit? I don't know. And the only way you're going to know, honestly, is to do what he said, which is to get every single one tested. But who's going to do that? Who's going to pay for that? I don't even know. I've, I've tried to look for labs that will do that. I haven't found one. So if anyone has a lab that would do that, or everyone, you know, volunteers to pay for it, let me know. Um, but we've tried to find one. We haven't found one. But that's what you do. You get your know, spectrometry. No, but, but you know, because it'll just come back, it'll come back positive, and then, you know, if, if, it, if it's a little too low or a little too high, we'll just blame it on metabolism. You know what I mean? So, like, you, you, 
And, and also remember, you, you know, you know, it doesn't account for the, 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 the fillers. It doesn't account for how much bioavailability the patient's actually getting. It, and it doesn't account for a lot of stuff in the urine screen. Well, if it's completely bogus, right? But if it's completely bogus, you know the first thing we would say? Oh, you, he's diverting it. That's, that's what we do when, when, when they're completely negative. We always come to that conclusion. Maybe it's right, maybe it's wrong. The purpose of this lecture is not to say that everything is, it's kind of the purpose of this lecture is to say we need to be more aware of this and have this in our differential, you know, whenever we're seeing patients, is, is to have this in our differential. Um, counterfeit ally, we talked about, uh, you know, um, uh, this also, you know, weight loss drugs being uh, counterfeited. Again, Avastin being counterfeited. I mean, this, this right here, by the way, that bottle is the counterfeit bottle. It, it looks pretty darn real to me and to a lot of other people. But making those labels is super easy. I mean, you can buy printers now at like Office Max and Staples that can print those kind of labels. You can buy higher quality printers that can do holograms, okay? And they can do, you know, uh, small font printing and things like that. You can do all that stuff now. So it's very easy to be able to do this stuff for a relatively cheap price. Okay, I'm going to um, uh, uh, talk about this and then try to move a little faster. Um, just earlier this year, March 2016, uh, we had over 50 overdoses in the Sacramento area from counterfeit Norco. Did anyone hear about this? A few people? So, so a few people died. At least a dozen people died from this. These, these were people who thought they were getting Norco, but they were getting fentanyl in a tablet. And, uh, and, and you know, people died. We had another outbreak with uh, oxycodone as well. People thought they were getting oxycodone. They were getting fentanyl. I mean, this is a big problem. And why are they using fentanyl? Because it's cheap. It's cheap. They're using other things too. In Prince's pill, it had fentanyl, Lidocaine, like who takes lidocaine in a pill? Fentanyl, lidocaine, and U4770. Zero. Do you know what that is? Anyone know what that is? I don't even know what that is. I was hoping someone could enlighten me. I, I, it, it's, I don't even know if it's a legal substance, but it's, um, I think uh, I heard eight times, what's that? It's not a legal substance. It's not, right? Yeah, yeah and it's, I think, eight times more potent than morphine, I believe. Um, so, you know, I mean, look at this. We're, we're pain experts in this room, and, and you're the real expert because you know what it is. But none of us even know what that is. I mean, these guys are using products that, that they're getting hand uh, on products that are cheap and deadly. Okay? So why, whose problem is this anyway? You know, we're talking about this. Is this your problem? Is it my problem? Is it the pharmaceutical company's problem? It's all of our problems. Okay, it's the police problem. It's the customs problem. You know, it's the DEA. It's the Department of Justice's problem. It's Homeland Security's problem. Um, it's, it's the pharmaceutical company's problem. Because you know what? It, you know, they, they called it counterfeit, but that, that pill said Watson. You know, that pill said Watson. Now, now you know, who's to say that uh, the, the prince's estate won't sue Teva and say, hey, listen, man, your pill had this, right, or something. I mean, who knows? You know, you know you're at liability if your name's on it, right? It's the doctor's problem, okay? That doctor that, that, that Prince was seeing, he is nowhere to be found. I don't know if you know. Literally the day after, he was, take, he was fired from his job, he left the hospital, his name and profile and everything was taken off their websites, and he is literally nowhere to be found. Does anyone, anyone keep up with that? He is nowhere to be found. He's a family practice doc, because he's so scared. What's, no, 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 not that guy. No, he was a family practice doc in the Minneapolis area. And he's nowhere to be found, because he's so scared. Why? Because everyone's blaming him. Now, hopefully, they won't blame him. But so it's all of our problems, right? It's our problems because we have kids, we have parents, we have brothers, we have sisters, and all of them could potentially be a victim. Here's another case study. So a person comes in for an early refill. She's on oxycodone, says she was shorted, which is true. Did she take more and she's not telling? Did the pharmacy short her? Uh, did she divert the pills? Is she a drug seeker? Or maybe all of the above? 
It could be all of the above, right? We, we don't know. We don't know. And, and that's my point, right? My point here is to uh, maybe scare you a little, but my point is not to say that every pill is, is counterfeit or every pill is substandard. In, in, in America, you know, it may, it may in fact be at the legitimate uh, pharmacies. It may be a 0.1% problem. You know, we, we don't know. But it has to be part of your differential. It has to be part of your differential because if it's not, you can run into a very dangerous situation. You know, if you start, like, like I had, right? If you start getting persons on little white pills and now they're on diamond-shaped pills, you have to ask, who made it? What's in here? You have to. It could be a substandard pill. It could be a counterfeit pill. You have to. So look at this. The FDA has opened up 59 investigations in 2011, 72 investigations in 2010. To me, that's woefully, woefully bad. Woefully bad. Um, more needs to be done. I think they're underfunded I, you know, when it comes to this, um, probably understaffed, and, and I think the problem is just too overwhelming for them. <clears throat> so the uh, World Health Organization is split up into spurious, uh, substandard, falsely labeled, falsified, and counterfeit medications. That's kind of the one general term that encompasses all of these medications that could be dangerous. So real quick, I'll talk about anti-counterfeiting technology. There are technologies that can help, okay? There are things like antibody pairs that you can actually embed. So let's take a pill, for example, or a watch or whatever. You can embed these things into the product. You can, you can put barcodes. You can't put it on pills. You, holograms, you can't put it on pills. You can put it on packages. Uh, inks and things like that, you can put it on packages, micro-pinning on packages. RFID, which is radio frequency IDs, are used for tracking and tracing. That's actually currently used to track and trace pallets. So that's how they're able to keep track of it in the supply chains. And tagants. Tagants are microparticles that can be embedded that uh, can authenticate um, uh, products. So as we can see, as we move forward in time, we're looking uh, uh, more and more complex solutions, okay? Things like track and trace, and then now we're looking at converging technologies where you can track, authenticate, trace, you know, uh, uh, still have inventory with, supply, with uh, barcodes and QR codes. Um, and, and you need all of those solutions to be able to have a, a complete solution. You know, just like your computer, right? It's not just, you know, you have multiple, you know, software technologies and firewalls and, and, uh, and software programs to fight against viruses. You need the same thing here to protect the supply chain. Let's skip that slide. Um, let's skip that one. So, so here is a little bar graph of what we have. We have barcodes, watermarks, inks, RFIDs, holograms, tagants. You know, we have to find solutions that are also inherently not counterfeitable. It doesn't really help when you have a solution that can be counterfeited. So for example, a stamp on a watch, counterfeitable. A barcode, counterfeitable. Watermarks, counterfeitable. I mean, we literally in this room could do that ourselves. You have to have solutions that are not counterfeitable and not hackable. <clears throat> So uh, what are those solutions? Those solutions have to have security. Those solutions have to have ease of implementation. Um, they have to be able to be um, implemented quickly. Uh, and there has to be accountability. And the total cost has to be reasonable. Right? Uh, you know, if you have a solution and it adds $100 to the price of your script, anyone going to buy it? No. Let's say I, I want to one final survey. Okay, I'll let you guys go eat dinner. Um, if, if I had a script here and your copay was 10 bucks and you literally no clue where it came from, and I had a script here and the copay was 15 bucks and you could guarantee that it's authentic, it's not counterfeit, it's the real deal, which one would you get? What if it was 20? Is it a cold or a cancer? <laughs> <laughs> well, let's say it's an opiate. Let's say it's an opiate, okay? A fake opiate. I'll kill you, right? You know, one tablet, you're done, right? 
So, right? I mean, that's what happened to Prince, you, you know. So, so, so and, and that's my point, right? So it has, to, it has to make business sense for them to implement it. So what can you do? Last slide, I promise. What can you do? Well, one thing is you go back and, and, and if you're, you know, whether it's for yourself or your patients or whoever, you have to start thinking about this. You have to start thinking about this problem because it's real. It's been real. It's just that nobody talks about it. The other thing you can do is you've got to start demanding. I mean, this is what people have to do. You have to start demanding to companies saying, listen, um, if you're making an authentic product, why don't you just prove it? Put another penny into it and prove that it's real. It doesn't really take that much effort, uh, you know, and, and unless people start demanding it. You know, either people had to start demanding it or more and more people had to start dying. And that's disgusting to me. But it's already happened. We had what I think the most talented artists of our, of our time die from this problem. Like, what more do we need before we wake up and say, hey, listen, let's do something about this problem, right? Are you like the e-pedigree laws? Yeah, yeah. Those, so those are also like the e-pedigree laws. Uh, you know, they've been they've been postponed for years. They were already supposed to be implemented. Um, yeah, it, it should help. But but the problem is is that no company has figured out how to get those implemented, and no company has implemented those yet. So so if they properly implement every single thing, then yeah, it would help. But I, I don't see that happening because we've already missed our deadlines. You know, we've already missed our deadlines, and, and not a single thing has been done. I, there is not a single authenticated medi medicine on the market today. Not a single one. So. Right. That's all for tracking and tracing, but not authentication. No. Correct. So tracking and tracing, they've actually done a pretty good job. Some companies have, have really invested a lot in tracking and tracing. That's great, you can track and trace, but it's not, how do you know it's authentic? That's the big problem. You know, you don't know if it's authentic, right? So that palette, let's just say Prince got this from Wal Walgreens, let's just say. It was tracked and traced the whole darn way, but it wasn't authentic. That's the problem. Okay, got it. All right, any questions? That was my, um, that was the music starting. Uh, time to go. <laughs> All right, thanks, guys. Thanks. I really appreciate it.